Um, well, welcome tonight. Welcome to Highway. Uh, we are, or we have, I should say, reached the end of our series called Centered, which is a series in the book of Colossians. And uh, this has been an exploration of Paul's letter to this small outpost of Christians in the Roman province of Asia. And the main theme of this series is that Christ is at the center of all things and should be at the center of our lives. And that's where we get this graphic that, that Christy made, which is sort of the all things coming together in Christ feeling. So here at the close of the book, in chapter 4, Paul leaves us with some final instructions. And um, let's just dive right into this. These are, these are the final instructions he gives, Colossians 4, 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So I want to focus in here for a minute on these last two verses because I think they form an understanding of how the book of Colossians ends. And I think there's wisdom in there for us and specifically for us here at Highway San Jose. So at the end of the book, Paul is reminding his audience that as individual Christ followers, they make up a community. And as a Christian community, he's giving them both direct and subtle instruction on what such a community should look like. And, um, you know, we've seen that throughout the book. He kind of gives individual instruction and then talks about here's how you behave with one another kind of a thing. So Paul has a warning here about how Christians, who at this point in history are a very small group of people, how that group of people should interact and treat those who are not part of these new communities of faith. He says again, 4 or 5, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Well, this is great advice. And I think it's safe to say that since the age of Christ, this whole idea of insiders and outsiders has been, a, has been a sticky thing for both the insiders and the outsiders. Jesus said to go and make disciples, and so we try to do that, and the church has always been attentive to outsiders and attentive to outsiders becoming insiders. And throughout history, you'll find a host of colorful ways that the church has attempted this, you know, everything from the Crusades to Christian heavy metal, you know, we'll try anything to spread the word. So I've been thinking about this idea of insiders and outsiders this week because as a relatively com new community ourselves here in San Jose, one of the things we're passionate about is widening the reach of our community and inviting others to take the journey with us. And that's not always easy to do, unfortunately, because of this concept of insiders and outsiders. Uh, but this all made me think of a current news item, and maybe you've heard about this, but the Starbucks Christmas Cup. You guys heard about this? So every year, Pete's and Starbucks and other, you know, sort of mass market coffee retail joints, they unveil their holiday cups every year, sometime after Halloween, and it's happening now. And this year, Starbucks decided to go with just a plain red cup. And as it turns out, this really rubbed some people the wrong way. It really rubs some Christians the wrong way. Because some people feel that removing seasonal imagery from the cup is an affront 
to the religious heart of Christmas. And it's caused some to claim that Starbucks has declared, and I quote, a war on Christmas. If you think this is insane, you're, you're not alone. Just stay with me. So this week, you know, I was sitting at a Pete's Coffee, which demonstrates that highway staff are not shot on sight if they're seen in a cafe other than Red Rock. But I was sitting there, looking over this passage, actually, and thinking about outsiders and insiders, and there in front of me was the Pete's Cup, which actually has Christmas imagery on it. So I thought I could do a little comparison tonight, get, kind of get to the bottom of this. So here we go. Just, and just as we start out, here are my two sons drinking from what I now call the Pagan Cup, or <laughs> the, the War on Christmas Cup. That's them there. And by the way, it's not, there's Finn slurping all the, uh, the, the whipped cream off of my peppermint mocha there. Anybody else love the peppermint mocha? Holy cow. I try to limit myself to one a week this time of year. So there's the, there's the cup. And here, um, adorned with holiday images in all their glory, is the Pete's cup. The cup of holiness, if you will. So let's, let's compare the two. On the one hand, we have the plain red cup, the pagan cup, the war on Christmas cup. But here, on the Pete's cup, we have a few things to look at. We have a present, a couple of snowflakes. We have a Pete's coffee cup on the Pete's coffee cup, you know, for inception. You know. We see a Christmas tree, a figure skater, oh no, sorry, a figure stacking what looks like sacks of coffee beans, or they could be just sacks of retail revenue from Pete's, right? Uh, there's an evergreen sprig, and of course, a squirrel. Now, if those things don't say the birth of Christ to you, <laughs> then I don't, know, I don't know what to say. So I'm poking fun here, and, 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 and you're laughing along with me, and, but the sad truth is this. It, if there were outsiders who might be insiders uh, and interested in the way of Jesus, this is often what they see. This sort of cockamamie, culture war-related nonsense, you know. But Paul is entreating Christ followers to be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This thing with a cup doesn't seem wise, does it? Uh, somebody on Twitter this week posted, how can you be outraged by this and not by the idea of paying $7 for coffee? <laughs> Amen, right? So much of how Christ followers are identified in culture and society is through stuff like this. And, and even though I don't believe that at Highway we really take part in this kind of thing, we have to answer for it, unfortunately, because it's what people see until we're able to present you know, the way of Jesus to the world at large in a way that's wise and full of grace, like Paul says, this, this is what Christian community looks like to the outsider, uptight, angry people who boycott films and businesses and, and coffee cups. You know. Paul uses the image of salt here. It was a common image in scripture and Christ himself used it. Are we acting as a seasoning in people's lives? Are we bringing out you know, the full flavor of life in our dealings with people. Salt was a preservative in Paul's day. Are we bringing freshness and newness to our conversations and to our interactions? Are we different? And not just different, but different in a good way. 
Let's go back to the Gospel of John for a moment. Speaking of Jesus, he says this. This is John 1.10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. This reminds us that by and large, we can't hold the world accountable for everything we believe because they don't believe it yet. And that's a reality that should make us a little sad, I think. But Scripture promises that we need to work at this, and, and policing the world, you know, through politics or boycotts or coffee cups or whatever is, is not the answer. And you guys know this. Everything that we've learned in Colossians so far about making Christ the center, living thankful lives and lives free from legalism and avoiding the deceptions of the world and staying away from lust and greed and racism and being people filled with compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness, patience, that's how people will see Jesus. That's how outsiders become insiders. And, you know, I actually believe that we get that here at Highway. You know, we're all works in progress, and we know that. And Highway has always been a place of, of grace and of salt and of light. And, and, and here at Highway San Jose, we're a new ministry, much like the church, the church in Colossae that, that Paul was writing to. And I love, I love that correlation there. I feel like we can take to heart, you know, these teachings and warnings in a unique way because our, our communities are similar. We've talked a lot, you know, since we launched a few weeks ago about our networks and, and, and who's in our network and how can, we, how can we widen that network and how can we invite people in and invite people to be a part of what we're doing. And it's by being those people that Paul describes. So let's be salty people filled with grace and wisdom. So we talk a lot about community here at Highway. It's, it's in our name. In fact, it is our name, really. It's one of our four core values, and it's at the center of what we do because we believe that Christianity is not a top-down experience. Certainly there's a head, there's a center, which is Christ, you know. Um, but... Paul makes this argument over and over again here in Colossians, you know, that, that Christ is at the center. But Paul's writing is also about setting small communities of believers free to be the church. And, you know, I'm sure it's obvious, but preaching and presentation and things like that, they're often not where the gospel takes deepest root. It's in the push and pull of people doing life together and working out the way of Jesus together. That's where the life of faith is truly lived out and is figured out. So here at the end of Colossians, Paul models in a very subtle way, kind of, what, what a true community focused on Christ might look like. Unsurprisingly, it's about relationships. And not just relationships, but diverse relationships that indicate a welcoming community, which is what we long to be here in San Jose. So the book finishes up with a section of final greetings, and let's just go through that here. This is Colossians 4, 7. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. 
These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Damas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So these greeting sections are typical in, uh, in Paul's letters, and I like to call them kind of the what's up sections. Like, say what's up to Steve. Say what's up to Randy. And, you know, Seth's coming. Say what's up to him. He's all right. Welcome him, you know. It's, it's easy to kind of look at these sections and go, well, I, I don't know what's going on here. Let's, let's turn the page. But if we look at these characters a bit closer, we find that this small, burgeoning community in Colossae was a great model of a welcoming, diverse community. First, we can see that the community that Paul is involved with here is composed of Jews and Gentiles, or for our purposes, people of diverse ethnicities. Paul writes of Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice as the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God. So we know that many of the people that Paul ministered with were not like him, at least in terms of ethnicity. He was living out what he promised back in chapter 3, that here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And speaking of slave or free, he mentions Onesimus, who although he was a slave and someone like Seth talked about last week, who was utterly without power and at the bottom of the social spectrum, Paul describes him as our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. The phrase one of you probably means that simply he was a follower of Christ. So this person at the bottom edge of society was dearly loved simply because he shared a love for Jesus. And that's the most important thing that should unite us, right? You know, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes in ministry here at Highway, um, I'll be at an event or in conversation with, with a group of people, and I'll just think, you know, if not for the body of Christ, there's no way that this particular group of people would have gotten thrown together, you know? And I, I think that's beautiful. I think that's partially the point. I think it's... That's sort of how it was meant to be. Um, it's, it's a sign that the body is healthy in a way. You know, it takes work and it takes patience and humility and, and empathy to sustain a community like that, but that's the body of Christ, a welcoming community. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Paul sends a specific greeting to Nympha, a woman, and like Onesimus, somebody at the very bottom of the social strata in that time. Yet she's a key player in the life of the church. She's providing the context in which believers can meet together. For someone like Paul to address her individually without mentioning her spouse was pretty revolutionary. 
And there's other examples in the book of Acts of women hosting house churches as well. The unimportant are given a place of importance in the body of Christ. So what does this mean for us at Highway San Jose? How, how then should we live? Uh, my wife and I are fairly big college football fans. You guys know what this is? So this is the, <laughs> this is the college football championship trophy. And for over 100 years, college football was played with no champion. It was just a ranking system, and, and it, was, it was a little weird. But this is the second year, after hundreds of years of playing, where there's a playoff. There's four teams, and they play each other. And at this time of year, as the season's winding down, everybody's trying to answer this question. Who's in? Who are the four teams going to be? How are they going to get there? Who has to lose? Who has to win? What has to happen? And uh, I'm ashamed to admit that I spend hours listening to podcasts and watching games and listening to blowhards on ESPN, and they're all just trying to answer this question. Who's in? Who's going to make it? In the body of Christ, everybody's in. We don't need a podcast. We don't need ESPN to tell us that. The question is, how do we do it? How do we welcome people? Well, we, we stay salty people, filled with grace and wisdom. We live the centered lives that Paul has been talking about in Colossians. We live those lives that he's been talking about all along in this series. Not fleshly lives, not lives filled with lust and greed and impurity and anger and rage and malice and lies, not Silicon Valley lives, but lives clothed in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I grew up in a Baptist church, and we used to sing this song, They Will Know Us By Our Love. Anybody remember that song? It was a pretty cheesy, terrible song, right? But the sentiment there is right on. They will know us by our love. Those are the things that are attractive to people. They're subtle, but they're attractive. So how do we welcome people? We start with what we know and who we know. Before we launched here at San Jose, we talked a lot about our networks again and how we wanted to invite people and welcome them in and share life with them. And now that we're here, we need to keep doing that. And beyond that, we need to stretch ourselves even and broaden ourselves even within our community context. You know, it's easy to come each week and sort of talk to whoever you're comfortable with and, and check in with the same people. And, you know, we're all guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. But let's not be that way here. Let's be this strange, diverse, multi-ethnic, multi-economic, welcoming, inviting community that Paul models for us here in Colossians. We can do it because it's not us that's doing it. It's, it's Christ that's doing it in us and through us. Back at the very beginning of the book, we saw this. This is chapter 116. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. If Christ holds all things together, 
that we don't have to worry about fitting in or interacting with only people who are like us. And we sure don't need to rely on a red coffee cup to uphold the strength of the Christmas story, right? For several weeks, we've been looking at this graphic here that Christy made. And it's a great graphic for this series because it's, it's been a great picture of Christ at the center. And I like that sort of the circle, which is kind of infinite, kind of holds the horizon line to get together. There's sort of a balance there. So we've kind of mimicked that design with this piece here. And as we finish up today and finish up the series, we're going to interact with this a little bit. And by the way, um, at Highway, we like to do stuff like this every now and then. We like to get out of our seats and write things or write on cars or put things in other things or light candles. It's just a way to get, to get away from this kind of presenter audience dynamic. So we're going to do that tonight as we finish up. If you're more comfortable in your seat, that's fine too. But if you'd like to, get up and come up to this piece here and, uh, and write your name on the board with a piece of chalk. It's a simple act, but it's a visual reminder that as the body of church, as the, as the body of Christ, we are that body. And Christ is at the center, as it says very plainly on the piece there. So come up and write your name just as a visual representation of, yes, I'm part of this. I'm part of the body of Christ. If, and if you're comfortable, take a few minutes to pray before you come up. And if there's a name of somebody uh, that, that comes to you or is sort of laid on your heart, and you want to write their name there too as sort of an act of kind of committing to pray for that person and, and keep them on your mind and be welcoming to them, then go ahead and write their name on there too. Uh, we would love that. This could be like a prayer uh, that these people would find the peace of Christ and would find a home maybe in, in our community. So as we come up and interact with this piece, uh, the band is going to play a song called Trusty and True uh, by Damien Rice. This is a great song for this moment because it, it paints a picture of broken people coming together and being accepted for who they are, which is a great image of the body of Christ. Some of the lyrics of the song say, if all that you are is not all that you desire, then come. Meaning, I think if you're a work in progress and you want to keep progressing, then you're welcome with us. The refrain of the song asks us to come however you are. Come alone. Come with sorrows. Come with songs. Let yourself be wrong even. Just come. That's the important part. Just come because you're welcome. And if you're new tonight and, and you feel comfortable writing your name up here, we'd love that because you are welcome. And, and Colossians shows us that all are welcome in the body of Christ. And that's what we are. That's what we strive to be, a community centered on him. So let's spend some time tonight reflecting on this as we come up and write our names on the board.